This is Maxin Lewis here. And this is Darren Dias. And both Darren and I are co-founders of Magenta. Magenta Mobility is one of the most interesting companies in the electric vehicle space. They are doing everything to enable the transition from ICE engines to EVs without actually manufacturing EVs. Magenta started by building a proprietary EV charging technology that it started to deploy through partners, eventually scaling up to start offering a complete EV transportation service. In this episode of the Founder Thesis Podcast, your host Akshay Dutt talks with Maxon Lewis and Daryl Dias, founders of Magenta Mobility. Maxin and Daryl talk about their journey of building up Magenta from scratch with almost no external funding for the first few years and about staying true to their game plan to build an EV ecosystem platform. Magenta Mobility's most recent fundraise of a whooping $40 million is proof of the grandness of their vision and the quality of their execution. Stay tuned and subscribe to the Founder Thesis podcast on any audio streaming platform to learn about how to build companies that change the world. One fine evening while I was happy and doing all good, I get a disruptive SMS. I call it disruptive because, uh, okay, multiple reason was not WhatsApp because it's Dubai, WhatsApp was blocked. So it was an SMS from Maxin on his plans about Magenta. And calling was not so easy back then. While I could have done a telephonic call, but the trust I had on Maxin, next day I put down my papers, next evening, again, I texted him back saying, okay, I've put down my papers, see you next month. That is where Magenta How did you two know each other? So, Darren and I were cousins before Magenta. And now businessmen who trust each other. My answer typically is we used to be cousins, not anymore. And what was the idea behind Magenta? So this is where, if you were to call it a premonition that electric vehicles are going to be big. And that came on the back of auto experience plus electric experience. 20 years. And I saw the transition happening internationally. So the intention was, one, cleaning up my sins of setting up dirty hygiene plants, both in terms of the energy generation and also the way the, the entire usage of that. All of it came together and the idea was to leave behind a legacy or a planet which is a lot more cleaner than what how we are made. And of all the parameters, the electric vehicle was just about coming through. So all of these things fell into place. So starting Magenta was not on, on the back of a business, but on the back of a principle. And Magenta, then one of the first things that we were trying to do is to find a name for ourselves. What do we want to call ourselves? Interesting conversation around there. So when we were finding a name, we realized that a lot of people were searching for a name and talking about green. What we started spectrum of light. And we soon realized that one, Magenta is a non-spectral color. It doesn't really exist in the spectrum of light. But it's such a the most complementary color to green. Unknown to many, green looks most beautiful on a magenta background and magenta looks most beautiful on a green background. If it impacts, we are magenta, we help you go green. That's the science behind it all. And certainly when we started our business also, if you see the panel side behind me, the magenta is also, uh, when we started off in the EV space, EV was there to come. So we started to get a hand, starting to understand how power generation power generation happened in the solar space. So incidentally, it also was a, is a mix of 50% blue and 50% red. Red standing for the sun and two standing for the solar panels to tap that energy. Just to add, just to summarize, I think it is 
Magenta is all about clean energy, generation, dispensing, and managing. So generation is something Max has just told you into the clean energy via the solar panels and multiple other modes of such renewable energy. Dispensing is while setting up charging stations, running an electric vehicle and the fleets for large e-com players and IT tech companies and all of those. And managing is something which is a software tech, which weaves these two, the generation and the dispensing part of it together. So technology is something that stitches them together. Okay. I want to know the the story of starting up. You must have initially quit your jobs with plan one. And that plan one would probably have met market conditions and you would have realized, no, we need to pivot and then plan two. And then probably today you're on plan three or something like that. I want to hear that story. So let's start from there. Both of you quit your jobs. Then what? Actually, I don't know why you use the word pivot one, pivot two, pivot three. And that's exactly where we were. <laughs> so, so we quit our jobs and we set Magenta together. Now, it's for me, quitting was not very easy. I was having, personally, it was a jet set life. I was living out of airports, meeting the top consoles, literally knowing which socket and which bathroom in which airport of the world. And the quality of life was amazing. Thankfully, actually, it went very well. My team was there. Now, leaving all that and setting up uh, Magenta was a huge unlearning experience. You got used to a certain lifestyle and suddenly you are now pure to proprietor. So when we started off, we thought, okay, listen, EV is something we are moving ahead with. But at that point in time, there was no business outcome on the EV space. So what we did is we said, we first need to understand and build our business. We wanted to have a revenue generating system. So we started setting up our Rooftop solar space. And re- residential or uh, office spaces or factories or what? Both factories and residential. In fact, again, we took a very technology view over there, our technical view. So India's tallest solar installation in a building has been done by us. So the decision of Magenta, Magenta Power as in And I'll call it a reverse figure. We knew that we are going to electric vehicle, but we had to sustain and we need to churn revenue coming in. So that's when we started and this was like a subscription model. Uh, you buy power from us, like that power purchasing agreement with that complex, or was it a one-time installation cost? No, it was an EPC kind of service where we did the entire design delivery, and it was a it was not a subscription model. That's how we structured ourselves, and that actually allowed us to do brilliant work in our engineering. Our engineering was top-notch, and that was still sustainable. We are, we are more an engineering. What kind of give me some examples of clients that you did the installation for? Right now, I. So one, there was one building in Mumbai, which was right on the glide path at the Mumbai airport. It was in power, on the top of a power hill. This was a high wind velocity kind of an installation where most people gave up. They said, this is the only smallest installation that we could do. And that just from a magnitude purpose, many of them said, okay, it will be a 10 kilowatt system. The client was very clear, we want the entire system to be accommodated. But the data and we went there and we re-engineered the entire design and we set up a 75 kilowatt system with an option to add another 50 kilowatt system. Now, how that was done is changing problem statement. And we re-engineered the entire design. And till today, that's a beautiful system which works. And we and it is in a very high velocity. People are actually scared to go there at that level. Mm-hmm. Have an entire top system working. That was one case. And this was a residential complex. Residential complex. And we focus on residential complexes at that point in time because because we knew that from a scale perspective, 2018, we were going to pivot to electric vehicle. But that allowed us to understand how generation can work. And at the same time, to sustain and create a team. So that's why I call it a reverse pivot, not a... Because the reverse pivot will know till the time EV takes off, we know what we are doing. 
How much did you earn from that? What was your annual revenue from these EPC contracts? At that point in time, it was still growth around a half on a regular now, We also did installation on a building, which fell under the, by, what do you say? Heritage building. These were heritage buildings. So we set up on a heritage building as well. So these are all engineered solutions. So we used to take pride in the fact that we were not a traditional solar agency company. Uh, we worked for then installations at places where there was no electricity at all. And we didn't have a principle for an old age home. So these were some cases of the solar installation. More than the installations we've done at the HPCL headquarters and a lot of such places. But the idea was we always followed the Pareto's principle. So it was 80% planning, 20% execution. With this planning, we've been able to do the project within 24 hours. So it was not a never-ending project with complications. All of those planning, execution, plan, project, everything was done. So I remember one at one of the school at a very remote location. It was within 24 hours. The target was go there. Everything was it reached at the right time. There was another installation right in the city center of Mumbai. And you cannot have trucks coming into the city sector in Mumbai, but we had a mandate to install a project and it's very close to the BNC headquarters. I cannot take the name, but it's right there. It's, if you went to look around, you will see Magenta or the top or at this point, so this is quite a lot of coordinated and engineering. It was more engineering. So we did that and we did that while building the team together. That is where come 2000, February of 2018, we were very clear. Now we have established the understand how to run a business. And this is where we set, set up India's first solar-based EV charging station in 2000, early 2018. Now, why uh, charging station? is because we knew that the EV is going to take off. Electricity is going to be new oil. So if you're generating, you that's going to be one challenge that India would need to solve. So we set up uh, India's first solar-based EV charging station way back in 2018. Not, not too many. Of course, we were there in the for that. And then we also set up India's first EV highway. Which means the first charging station on a public highway was done in 2018. I think June 30, 2018. Was and this was in coordination with uh, the transportation ministry or something like that, the Ministry of Road. Not at that time. Because uh, that time there was a lot of discussion, but there was no handholding from a ministry perspective, to be honest. But we were also trying to understand really how this is. Like we had to take a case to the transport ministry rather than saying we are just doing it. But instantly, at that point in time, while we set up these two things, we were invited by HTCL for their seat funding, literally an invitation, because we were not even part of the discussion there. People heard about us that these guys are doing something very interesting in the space. And uh, if I were to say the privacy office, why Invest India, uh, we were invited by HTCL, and I remember Daryl and I going to the pitch for HTCL, and uh, the last in that entire scheme of things. And at around uh, late night by 10, 10 30, uh, was our First pitch literally we were doing to an investor, a possible investor. And there was, this is where the trust factor comes in. When we just started off, I mean, everyone there had been trained through the day, they had been listening to 20 odd startups. All that they said, listen, we started off with the introduction. I just started off, we said, listen, hold, Maxim, can you introduce your co founder? And your co founder, can you introduce Maxim? Okay, they were, they were also tired and they wanted to have some fun. <laughs> right. Uh, possibly that one was incidentally worked amazing for us. And I was able to tell everything about Darren, including his birthday, to the fact that, uh, you know, what are his preferences in color. And the same thing happened with him telling, introducing me as if it was my By the end of that introduction, we were, we were told, this is stop, guys. We don't, I think the word was, what? Rock stars. We're rock stars. 
we built that and i think by june the entire transition had happened for us into the ev space were you able to sustain yourself purely on the basis of ev charging infra because epc is giving you significant cash flows right? and i'm sure ev charging infra would not really be generating much cash flows absolutely in fact even uh, ev charging infra is not a cash flow business it's a more of an infra take long term play so yes so that's the reason why we do working by that time we were also doing a lot of engineering and consulting services for people who wanted to get into the EV space. And that it was very clear that is where we need to be. And we will soon know, we will realize that we have always made revenue out of what we were learning and also doing for us. And uh, this is what we were doing. And EPC was coming down by the end of 2018, 2019. This is how we... And come 2019 is where we started to focus on developing solutions and also selling those solutions, to be honest. Solutions for what? On EV charging. We were actually, we had started designing chargers with hardware and the software. We were designing, we, the entire R&D, by that time HPCL was with us. So it was set up a full-fledged R&D arm for both hardware and software. And by that time we had developed some very interesting products like street lap integrated EV chargers. It was not a switch off and switch on. It was a, a steady transition that we put in place. And it worked very well for us. So we were doing very good engineering design and that kept us, that sustained us. And that is when COVID stopped. One question here, this this solution that you were providing would be to what kind of a company? Like say a logistics company which wants to use EV and want to set up their own EV charging infra. So you would provide them the solution on how to set up EV charging infra. Like There were a lot of OEMs who were also working in the OV space and they really want to understand what this space is about. That's one. So that was right. We set up the Mahindra Rio Zor Electric launch. Uh, Magenta was on stage and we had provided the charging solution for that. The first one was in Bangalore. Bangalore. So one was the OEM. Second one was also a lot of OEM auto ancillaries wanted to get into this space and try to understand. So we did a lot of design for that. So this is how we start off, built up, uh, grew ourselves. And uh, of course, at that time, also had other Microsoft, for example, started to back us. We were part of the global Microsoft startup program, uh, where they supported us on the software tech side. 
and during covid we and this is an interesting piece like everyone else we had to see what best we can do while working from home we can't be out there developing infrastructure which cannot be used so because we were a r&d or an engineering company we kind of split up our company and started to develop the product both the hardware and the software at our respective homes we started with it but the delivery of services continued for us because instead of manufacturing it was more of solutions the r&d side of it so through covid effectively we delivered solutions made money literally and also grew during covid this is when i started anything you need to add on the covid side and how we sustained for the year year and a half i want to know what kind of revenues were you getting from this solutioning piece where you were building solutions like how much would a deal with one client or one project how much would that lead to oh, we had deals one deal by itself was close to 90 or lakhs one day on an average so we were we were doing pretty decently on that mm-hmm. okay so it more than made up for stopping the epc business oh yeah and also it was huge three year break at that time the one actually you i mean we have had in instances where we have gotten meetings and says we are we are ev solutions and they say what is an ev yeah. okay and how much money did you get from hpcl we got close to a crore at that point in time that was a startup fund part of the punk and with a lot there like a seed seed round with a seed round and more by that time hpcl was also getting into this playbook of ev or ev charging this is there if you were very clear just because you are a startup we are not going to fund you beyond what we have funded you need to grow your merit and so we started to win orders and these were open orders tendered orders we made by on 1000 chargers from hpcl so by that time we were starting to uh, chargers and also the software now and that allowed us to begin to begin our lead from the r&d that we had already developed in the school so this tender you want would be similar to an epc contract you would build and then hand over in fact the entire product the hardware product was developed by the software subproduct was developed by the installer this is at the epc head right told right that epc are does we have unknown to many we have installed chargers all the way from kashir to kanyakumari right there are close to 1000 chargers already up unknown to many we were india's highest in terms of megawatts the maximum number of chargers was installed by magenta pure epc now we not only did this for ourselves for our customers we also did it for some competition that the first chance they know now to install chargers we were the ones who went and installed the chargers for how do you define competition who is your competition now many of the charger manufacturers who used to sell their chargers they were competition do do companies make charges in india or is it all imported from china i got so that unfortunately what had happened is everyone was importing from china most of the charges were imported and boxed here if i were to say, or assembled here and one one question you how big is a charger what does it what can, help me understand what is a charger first like how big is it it's is it a wall socket in which you can plug in your car through a wire or what is it like now before i forget magenta all the chargers that the entire r&d has been done or manufactured in has totally been done in india and that work very first so this was the principle that we had set out for ourselves and hcc was it now coming to what is a charger there are two basic and two types of chargers one is a ac charger in which you you take electricity and pass it to your vehicle and the vehicle converts it from ac to dc sends it to your batteries so these are the point three which is your standard socket then 7.5 then 22 kilowatt these are the ranges and then there is a dc charger which is simple call it fast charger but let's we also put it at that is the chargers in which energy is taken converted the charger and dispensed into the vehicle 
ंग So chargers, which are AC chargers for your residential facilities, for your petrol pumps, for your malls, and actually this is where there is unlearning for everyone. Vehicles charging does not happen on DC charging. There is a lot of publicity about DC chargers on the highways. We start seventy percent of the charging really happens at destination charging, which is at homes and offices. This less charging happens on the highways. Right now, this is a very interesting fact that has to be understood. And if you were to Break out the entire EV charging ecosystem. You need to know where the solution is. This is a transformative way we used to be thinking of instead of filling petrol and diesel. We go to a petrol pump to uh, to fill in diesel and petrol, right? Electricity has a fantastic thing. It comes here. So effectively, you don't take your vehicle to charge. You charge when your vehicle is parked. You need to have multiple small dispensers across rather than one going to a charge. So you only go for charging. When you are in a distressed situation where your where your vehicle is not, so the moment you understand this, you will understand where the business lies. So we have been supporting AC charging. At this time, probably we have chargers all across India, supplied and supported by us. How big there is an AC charger? Like the size of a voltage stabilizer, the AC voltage stabilizer. That's right. I think that's the right way to size of a voltage stabilizer. It's slightly bigger. One of the reasons why is, and this is where I want to differentiate between we call them lemon chargers. So there are many chargers out in the market, or people are positioning them as chargers. Are essentially three-pin socket with an IoT device. Those are not chargers. Technically, they cannot qualify as chargers. And also the fact that these chargers are unsafe because these are just three-pin sockets, and you are just having a switching device. So if you were to ever take a magenta charger, it has over voltage, under voltage, over current, under current, earthing protection. All of this active inside the chargers. So it's slightly a bigger version of a voltage stabilizer. Well, it is doing a lot of the things that a voltage stabilizer does anyway. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Not only that, by the way, it is also sending information to the cloud about the availability of that charger. Every fifteen seconds, the charger is telling us what is my state, whether I'm in use, I'm not in use, is there a earth fault? All that data is sent across every fifteen seconds. These are like SIM enabled. Uh, there's a SIM inside the charger, which yes. communication. So it could be a SIM or a Wi-Fi, but all of that. Now we developed that, and we did we realize there will be use cases for it. For example, we installed India's first community charger in uh, Mumbai, in Good Day Charge Area. We just realized now if we put a charger, it needs to be used by the residential society. What are the ability to put the hardware and the software together, and all of it done in-house allowed us to build use cases and solution puzzles. So this is how we built our business on the back of. Even solutions, charging solutions. So by that time, of course, we also had we also raised a Series A funding. How much did you raise? We in total we have raised close to around ninety six CR, and uh, that was through Jito. 
let's venture. And of course, the famous billionaire philanthropist, Dr. Kiran Patel. And our entire series of fundraise happened within five minutes, if I were to call it. Five minutes. Wow. How is that? That was, a, that was an interesting conversation. And uh, I think by that time, we had set up a very right, you know, the right things in the market. I had understood about America. So our first in our conversation, of course, was over a brunch table on a Sunday after of morning. And I went for the pitch and it was across the breakfast table. And uh, within five minutes, I this was to Dr. Kiran Patel. And I think, of course, he came, he's a great man who goes with his views on founders. So within five minutes of the conversation, he said, listen, I don't want to even talk to you about, you do doing good, I know that, you do it, right? But it's more of a trust-based system and how we move ahead. In fact, he laid a lot more on the table for us in terms of the money available to us than what we really wanted. Especially, had to tell him, listen, we don't want that. We really want to have this. So, and uh, the offer was to invest in more, we just took part of it. And, and, and he respected us for that. So this is how the entire story went. I made it pitch, I say. It was a deck for 15 slides, but one slide and we went through. And when was this? This was late 2020, early 21. Okay. And at this time, you were still a B2B company. Your business was to help other companies who want to set up charging infrastructure, be it in terms of end-to-end contract or just solutioning. Yeah. So we have always focused on the B2B, to be honest. There were some B2C installations that we did, for example, the Bombay Kuna Highway. We by the time we had also signed agreements with four hotels. Now four hotels is 84 hotels across on the highways in India. So we did some investments into setting up public charging infrastructure. That was very clearly to know the customer and what is a customer experience. Because we were put up great hardware and great software, which is technically right. But what a customer is going through when doing the charging process is what was important to us. So we put up charging infrastructure. Now there also we did a very interesting revenue sharing model and all those models. The owner of the space, the premises would have a... Yeah, the library authority, right. Now this helped us understand customer requirements. Of course, by that time, by 2018 itself, both Tarot and I were using electric vehicles. So we knew the customer experience, as to do. But we were also understanding what customers outside of the ecosystem were looking for. Very simple. No one would want to stand uh, at an electric charging station and wait for it while I have nothing else to do and I'm my family on with me. So we realized that you need to put it up at malls or uh, places where people... Where you, your car is parked anyway for a while. Yeah. And while you can uh, charge yourself with food while the vehicle is getting charged. So this is a very unique model. So that is why we did not do random installations. We did some very simple installations and gave some important village inside. So also that today our charging station is very well limited that we have has one of probably the highest utilization rate. We have a waiting in India have someone like 10 charging sessions on a charger, public charger, per day, not for free charging. How much time does it take for an AC charger to charge a vehicle? AC chargers typically takes four hours. DC chargers take 30 minutes to 45. So we were doing that and this is where we had created uh, our funding round and we were building an ecosystem. And why did you need the funds? Because if you're in a B2B space, you will you don't necessarily need funds. Every project gives you money. Correct. So, of course, one is the entire R&D spec. So we, there was a super focus on developing the right product, both in hardware and yourself. But this is where the understanding of the EV ecosystem was important and where exactly was a site. So I told you, right, we had to solve problems and make business out of it. First was that is a problem. We solved that piece. But the, the biggest piece was yet to come. And it was all planned out, by the way. And that happened in early 21. 
which is a mobility piece, which is a mobility business. Mobility business, okay. Unknown to many, Magenta is always perceived as a charging company, right? Or a charging infrastructure company or a charging solutions company. But we had realized that charging is working. You obviously need to take an ecosystem view for this. You cannot operate in a very isolated space. And unless you do that, you will not be able to. So we had already planned this out, but we had planned this slightly later. We had planned it by the end of 2021, we will get into the mobility space. But 2021, we were getting to a client and customer. And let's say, we're talking about Amazon. They listen, you want to put up charging infrastructure for you. The response was, listen, I don't want you to be speaking to a charger, manufacturer, charging infrastructure, and someone coming and providing with the mobility service. We're looking for a company which can provide this end-to-end solution. So this would mean providing Amazon with electric vehicles and charging infrastructure for them to run their deliveries. Perfect. This is when this was part of our playbook. But that was the time, you know, what Dara and I were looking at each other and said, hey, listen, I mean, we are planning this for later and there's a customer waiting for us. The problem statement that a customer is not charging. The problem statement was the entire mobility. So we invested into developing the mobility space and now where we are. So our position in the market is provide last mile electric logistics on the electric platform. Customers like Amazon, Card, e-commerce is just one way. We have FMCGs, we have other. So to our position to them is we provide you mobility, which is the vehicles with, without drivers, whichever it is. The electric vehicle charging also, the software technology which allows you to also give you guarantees of the service of where the vehicle is, whether the driver is wearing a seatbelt, which headlight is on, not to control the driver, but effectively to find out how far can my vehicle go and that's where is the nearest charging station. Now, this is unknown to many, this is the, and I don't want to call it a pivot, this is an extension of, it was a playbook which we had set for us. You obviously don't manufacture EVs, so, so you would probably have collaborated with the EV manufacturers and done some sort of curation and then told Amazon these are the best vehicles in the market and we will provide these and the management is what i mean you would buy those vehicles and manage them basically is that what you did exactly so we are very clearly understood that we would not get into the production of vehicles that's not it. but we are tied up with some bits of interesting time with OEMs like mahindra electric oil motors yeah sure some data we'll talk about but, but we worked with them we built a technology there which sits inside that vehicle and is allowed to be able to control the vehicle and offer the charge so that's what we did and to the great customer, he did not have to talk to 23 people. He spoke to Mazetta, Mazetta brought all that. And you could do two-wheeler, three-wheeler, four-wheeler, whatever form factor they needed, you could take care of it because you would be working with multiple vendors. This is where one clear clarity, we do not offer two-wheeler space, electric two-wheeler space. We are three-wheeler and above. There are reasons for it, of course, from a technical perspective and what is the business strategy. So we, we realize that we do not want to get into a playbook where it's a very super commoditized approach. There is no tech platform or tech layer. And there was another thing also, and that comes from our principles. Safety, quality, and ethics will not be negotiated at Magenta at all. These are non-negotiable. It's the first line on And uh, have you signed a deal with Amazon? Darren, over to you. Now you need to take over speaking about what we're doing. Amazon is just one of, we have such 28 other clients. But yes, to answer your question, we already have a signed agreement with Amazon and a couple of such other e-com players, food industry, FMCGs and FMCDs, multiple of services we're servicing. Yeah, you're doing last mile, right? So for an FM, like this would be like a D2C FMCG or like 
an FMCG which is sending products from a wholesaler to a retailer. For a milk run, for a milk run, yes. From their okay. uh, distribution to the okay. And over just two weeks ago, we would have heard in the news. In Hyderabad, we did a lot selling along with Amazon. These deals which you have with these D2C companies or with e-commerce companies, is it a, a supply vehicle and dashboards and intelligence around it? Or is it also supply the driver? What is the deal? Is it on a per kilometer basis or per package dropped? Or I want to understand that a little bit. Sure. While the models are just coming through, I don't want to say this is a final model that we have. But we have done on both models, with and without driver, if I were to say that. We have, it's not one model, we have by clients, we have kind of, we are able to tweak it. And the tweaking is possible with a control because we have a tech layer. So, for example, if you want to say, just I want to search in which my vehicle is available for the hour. For us, absolutely okay because we are able to take that, we are able to track what is happening to the vehicle, etc. And then to another platform. Okay, milk delivery might be just in, in the morning hours. And then that vehicle can move to some other customer for the rest of the day. Right. So optimize your asset, optimize your charging. We work with this, this kind. So what's your revenue split now between the logistics business and the charging solution business? I would put it at a 60-40. 60% is the mobility business. And it's an integrated mobility. When I say mobility comes with charging, is what I'm talking about to the rest of the party. But now... This is when our focus on charging. We have a super focus on fleet charge. And when I say fleet charge, that's where the industry has taken off because they're the utilization side. So the charging the focus is on fleet charging, which provides charging for Magenta vehicles plus our competitors, or we don't call them competition, we call them collaborators. And also for. So this is how we have structured ourselves. Currently, we are operating we already have, I mean, across the city, we have charging us. We are operating, we launched in Hyderabad. We are launching in uh, Delhi and Mumbai very soon. So, Companies like say Zip or Moving would be your customers for the charging infra, even though they are also last mile logistics, EV, you know, EV mobility, last mile logistics players. But the charging infra would be from you, or, or similar companies would be taking it from you. Right. So that you have a brilliant relationship with them as well. First thing it is important to understand this market is yet to move. We're just not tap one percent of it, and not everyone is all on the problem. So we work as a collaborative with Magenta is a very open company. So we have certain very brilliant agreements with the likes of a movie. Is where we use cross-industry utilization of infrastructure. And that's how we are working together and growing together. I am assuming that the solutioning business would eventually be a very tiny percentage. It would essentially be like a last mile logistics provider, like an integrated last mile logistics provider in the long term, right? Like that would be the long term play. What we see ourselves is purely, uh, we may become an asset like aggregator or tech aggregator kind of model is what we think. That's the way for scale up. Okay, something like what say a ship rocket does for traditional mobility, you could be a ship rocket for V mobility. Oh yes, could be. We have a charging platform Amazing charging platform with the entire R&D already sorted. We know exactly the tech place. We've all And right now we have a tech layer also in place. Or on the mobile side. Wouldn't owning the full stack help you grow more like what, let's say what Moving is doing, where they own the full stack? As in they are like a complete outsourcing, one-stop outsourcing shop for a e-commerce or a D2C company that wants to shift to green logistics. So wouldn't that be like a better way to grow where you can ensure quality, consistency, all of those things. Sure. In fact, that is where we are right now. The tech layer have is allowing us some amazing controls. So we are there. Right? Now, what happens is, this is where I say, that's a speech that we need. 
we would raise the full stack. For example, in Amazon, there's no need to do anything. They just come to us and say, listen, we want to be included. Charge and parking, take everything. But there's one small difference the way we think this business will grow is we also have a lot of partner network who would want to be part of this process. But at this point in time, do not have 100% confidence of the electric brought on board. So how we look at it is, a, let's say 45% will be owned, operated, managed, and a 75% will be navigated. The percentage is going to be very, but we, have, we believe that could be a sweet spot. And a sweet spot, both for us, and we and many others, is still to be found. So th- this would be like, say, how delivery works with fleet operators. Like some of the trucks are their own, but a lot of trucks are outsourced third-party vendor fleet operators, which, I mean, they own the business from the client. But how they deliver, it could be using their own trucks or it could be using trucks from other fleet operators. So you would want fleet operators to be plugging in the requirements which you have beyond what you can do with your owned vehicles. Absolutely. So I think this is where we need to take a, what do you say, by the year view on also because there's a product issue over there at this point in time. We could have a product fitment across. So the product fitment has to fall at this. So you need to look at how you de-risk yourself both in terms of your asset base, product, technology base, etc. Right on this platform. And that is how we think this is not good. For us, listen, we won't operate everything. We're not. Okay, okay. Got it, got it. But if that was the case, we would have said, hey, the charging hub, we will not allow anyone to be here. That's not how we are playing. You see, you said, it's available to you. you. So plus, it's better monetization for that infra also, like when other people use. Well, absolutely. But principally, where we come from, more than monetization, we principally think that how this business will grow, how you build the ecosystem and not try to say, I own the ecosystem. And this is as, it's exactly the same, I'll use a vehicle with the charging protocol, which is only unique to me. You, you, you believe in a more open source approach, basically. Yeah, yeah. Does the earning per vehicle differ with traditional vehicle and EV or your profit, is that different? Let's say you have an X number of vehicles contract with Amazon. How much is your profit percentage in that? And you help me understand the economics of this mobility business. At this point, for a customer, an electric vehicle cargo for last mile delivery, is a, uh, the TCO is is 20% lesser. TCO means total cost of ownership. For us, TCO, of course, for a, from a per delivery perspective, the cost of for delivery on an electric vehicle today as it stands today is 15-20% lesser as against an ICE vehicle for the last mile delivery, which means... And you get paid per delivery or you get paid per kilometer per vehicle? What is it like? Like I said, there are multiple models, but I would say there are two models. Like by delivery and by, by vehicle as These are the two. Forward. So by vehicle is like a rental model where you're renting out a vehicle and they will... Yeah, under minimum utilization is etc. kilometers that needs to be delivered. So these are the two models. The best part is we are able to manage those last the cost cost structures. The entire IP belongs to us. The infrastructure also the backend infrastructure both with hardware and the software belongs to us. For example, unlike another operator who has to now buy a charger from somewhere else and who is uptime on the vehicle depends on his charger uptime. A charge company, which belongs to the charger of time, which belongs to the non-office. For us, we've just integrated all the way up. For me, my charger cost by itself is close to less than half of what it would be if we were to buy it from outside. And all of this r and is inside, in-house. This is r and but the outcome cost is a lot less.
Okay. So what's the fleet size currently, Darren? So we are almost nearing 400, 200 in Bangalore. We've started operations in Hyderabad and Bombay, a couple of such ones. Next month, we'll also be launching back time in Delhi. While I'm ahead of schedule of announcing a launch, but yes, it's scheduled for next month. What's your plan in terms of fleet size by end of the year? Like, how, what do you estimate? Like, how big will the fleet be? Uh, a very realistic number, if you were to talk about. We are driving a mission, internal mission called as Mission 2000. We are slightly over 2000 vehicles to be deployed only in these four cities. So we mobilized the team and the plans in order to achieve these numbers. Also working backward with the OEMs, the vehicle manufacturers, to make sure the vehicles are delivered, given the supply chain crunches and all. And this is actually you realize seeing that we are one of those companies who give up realistic numbers. We could have just said we get to 10,000 or even for charging. That's not how we operate. This starts at the back of month wise deployment by city, by client. And the tunnel is running the 2020 the program. Broadly speaking, how much do you make per vehicle in your fleet? Like your profit after removing the costs? On a percentage point basis, now this is on a, we are already gross profit uh, positive. I will put it at and on the gross profit is close to twenty percent is an easy doable office. If your operations are right, if you have to do a single shift on an approximate, that's not the number we do, we do a much higher. But on a single shift anywhere around forty-five thousand rupees is easy doable. But there's a up up type. Forty-five thousand per vehicle. And from this forty-five thousand, you also pay the EMI. I'm I'm assuming th- these vehicles would be financed. Financed, some of them, yeah, financed, most of them are financed. So this 45,000 is after removing the cost of financing or? No, before, before. This includes all the way. Yeah. Okay. okay. Oh, you get that through the numbers. Got it, got it, got it. Okay. Amazing. The way I look at it, it's just a capital deployment cycle for you now. The more capital you raise and buy vehicles, the faster your top line will grow. The only thing you need now is capital. You have the technology. There are two constraints. One is to have the capital available. Second, Make the vehicle okay, okay. They start like you place an order for 100 and you'll get them. You'll have to place much in advance. And Like I said, right, the product issues continue. So we need to get, we are waiting for, we, there is a brilliant OEM for we create in this space. Uh, how pivotal are drivers in the whole equation? How, how many of your vehicles are given out to clients with drivers? How do you source these drivers? How challenging is it to get good quality supply of drivers? Sure. Irrespective of the percentage of whether how much of a driver we press vehicle on, I think I call it this way, we treat it this way. The drivers are who bring in the revenue. Max and Darren, everyone is a support system. And we accept it that way. We operate very differently. And this comes on the back of the fact that we invest amazing on the drivers during the training programs. We, uh, we had people from the RTO come and train our drivers, the program awards. So driver is critical. The driver, how we treat them is more do you take them on payroll, fixed salary, or is it again per delivery or per hour? No, we have various constructs in that. Again, it's also geography dependent, it's slang dependent. We don't have the solution on that. I don't want to call it. We know where it is, but there are multiple models. But with preferences, this is where we think actually is. Our commitment is to the client, which is an Amazon or Flipkart. The next time you order it, you would want to have it. So we would prefer to have a control on that. A driver partner for us would be a long-term labor. We do not operate with a gig worker kind of a mentality with the driver. That's absolutely not. A, that's not the model we will ever build. As we believe that, again, like I said, the principles is building an ecosystem and we'll have partners, but we will not believe that. they will. Drivers are not disposable aspects of our business. They're the most critical aspects of it. And if they are, we treat them accordingly, we build them accordingly, we train them accordingly. 
the salary model is very different parts how much does a driver earn with you on an average like a full time someone full time working on a vehicle we put what 22000 22000 on a vehicle it's already there in bangalore city wise okay okay cool and there's always an upside for them okay if they deliver more packages or whatever whatever is the delivery it's quality of service quality of look feel all at fortunate this is a very interesting piece we got feedback from our drivers the families want them to work with majinta purely because the way we treat them and there is a improvement in how in their lifestyle or there is improvement in the life so purely because of the way we have worked in what way like how is it different the way we train them or the way we of course that's a key part of our the way we run our models and our businesses i'll give you very straight answer If you ever come to a charging hub where a driver would spend a lot of his time, where we'll get one a washroom, security, all of it is it's by default for us. What is the cost of ownership for a vehicle? Like a monthly cost of ownership? Like there'd be some finance costs and there'd be some maintenance costs. Uh, around a close to around eighty to twenty thousand. That depending upon the vehicle you have. And how does it compare with the ICE vehicle? ICE vehicle from a the electric three wheeler has a larger capacity. Hence, it is not competing. That's because it is actually competing up, competing with the four wheelers. Okay. So for all those companies who are out there who are running four wheeler on their platform, and last mile logistics is very akin to three wheeler. That's what we are. We, we, But what is the cost of ownership difference here between an ICE and so at 120 kilometers per day, we break even the cost of ownership TCO, the complete TCO. Of Owning and operating vehicle at 120 kilometers, we break on uh, even. And, uh, I think uh, the differentiation is an ecosystem. We build solutions. We're not stuck to one solution. We will have solutions. And that brings us to the end of this conversation. I want to ask you for a favor now. Did you like listening to the show? I'd love to hear your feedback about it. Do you have your own startup ideas? I'd love to hear them. Do you have questions for any of the guests that you heard about in this show? I'd love to get your questions and pass them on to the guests. Write to me at ad at thepodium dot in. That's ad at t h e p o d i u m dot in.